0: This is an it is. special report. Now reporting.
1: The very handsome Jewish man, Peter Rosenberg.
0: Is at six. When the
2: clock struck six, it meant one thing. Can I just say one thing, Don? Sure. Um, You're not done. It stands Uh, But it's Don. not.
0: Now, from the ESPN New York News Desk, here's Rosenbaum or whatever that guy's name is. The
3: wonder your show is number one.
2: Hi everyone! Welcome to ENN Rayro. Brought to you by the Professional Fighters League. I'd like to start off tonight, if I can, by saying good evening to Don.
1: They may cherish it.
2: Oh, that's a I, that was really full on cherish.
1: They may cherish it.
2: And never knew
1: it to, was a problem until now. Fifty four years, Peter. Finally, someone alerted me.
2: Good evening Crazy to myself. Man. Kevin in Monticello
1: that's not now now you're disrespecting New York
2: isn't there so don't a don't just blame it on
1: Jersey and how they pronounce things that's a New York town
2: isn't there a Monticello
1: yeah that's way upstate
2: so there is another Monticello in New York Monticello but is there a Monticello
1: I believe like way upstate
2: a different one
1: Yes. Are you not thinking of Virginia, where
0: like where Thomas Jefferson just, is
2: from? Or am I just thinking of Virginia? I
1: don't know. There's something similar to Monticello with with the with, with Chub. Maybe it is Virginia. I thought it was upstate New York. But the Monticello you're talking about, I don't know if it's Rockland or Orange, but it's somewhere like around that area, the listening area that you should be involved so So involved the,
2: the home of Thomas Jefferson is Monticello.
1: Right. He—that's not where he was calling from, right, Anthony?
2: No, he was coming. I'm calling from New York.
1: Although people listen from around the world, New york That's a great point. There could be it's somebody a, so, like floating in you. some lake in Guam listening to the show on the app.
2: But they're spelled the same way. Very tough, man. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm ashamed. Uh, let me also say good evening to Don and one of our callers. Oh, we wow. hmm. okay. I would
1: just root for everybody. Okay. I never got to honor that tease, by the way. So he's oh, always going to be happy. He's a root for everybody. Oh, if the Mets win, great. If the Yankees win, I'll just be happy. Like, no, that's not the way sports supposed to be. It's supposed to suffer when you lose, be happy when you win. That's why you appreciate the winning. So all these people that root for multiple teams, what they're doing is trying to dodge the sorrow. So are you really ever truly happy then? If sorrow's not on the table, you got to lose to love, brother.
2: You know what? It's a good point. it's a, it's a, it's a good point it's a great point
1: <laughs> okay i do agree with it
2: yes but i do also remind me of the I, I as you know i've been watching curb your enthusiasm from the very beginning okay and i'm now up to season 10 okay i'm almost i'm almost there and one uh it, you do remind me of larry's complaining about how a restaurant doesn't serve toast with with eggs and he's very upset about this and richard lewis has a line where he says something like will you stop lecturing the world on on your opinions or something no
1: but that's and i do
2: think in this case when you and michael say you can't like both teams you are lecturing the world on your opinion. But
1: that that's true. That's but it's it. also our show and we're paid to give opinions. No, no, of course we're supposed
2: you... to lecture the world on how we feel about things. <laughs> no, not, not, it's I kind agree. of what not... the show's about. I understand, but I'm saying it's not re- this isn't something like we could argue about, you know, a, a, a player's quality and okay. it could really be like wrong, right and wrong. This really can't be right and wrong. Well, but Fanship. I listen,
1: Did I not tell the caller that it's a free country, he can do what he wants. That's right. You did. You did. But part of being a sports fan is that you suffer the losses so that when you finally win, you can really feel. Because the great quote that I heard from Joe Graziola after the 86 World Series is that um, losing hurts more than winning feels good. Yeah. And the reason it. for that is is because you can't, you're going to lose a lot more than you win, and it hurts to lose. And then when you finally win, if the, the exhilaration of basically not only just celebrating the fact that you won, but you're, you're more celebrating the fact you didn't lose. But if I can turn around and say, oh, well, the Mets, well, it was a disappointment they're out, but the Met, Yankees are still in, so I'll go root for them. Well, now you're upping the odds that you're going to get to celebrate. So are you really a fan of anything? I think Andrew you know could fully understand everything that I'm saying.
0: It's the correct opinion, Don. <laughs> right I couldn't opinion. I couldn't possibly agree with you more.
1: Now you could do what you want, Peter, because it's a free country, but are you really a fan? No, I agree with you. That's all I'm saying is is that our definitions of fan may vary, but if you're telling me you're I'm a diehard Met fan, no. then I don't want to hear about all the other teams you root for when the Mets are out. And Listen, this whole I, this whole concept of oh well I'm from New York so I want all the New York teams to do well well then then be a New York fan and 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 just be that root for everybody root for the Devils root for the Islanders root for them all now you got a now you've upped your chances nine teams you root for somebody might win
2: <laughs> okay fair enough I agree with you on that part I, I, I'm fine if you're not a real fan being good with it I'm good with that. But if this, you claim to be a real fan, you're 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 100 right. This That's is not
1: right. a conversation I would ever have with Natalie. I would never like get on her for rooting for both the Mets and Yankees because it doesn't sound like she's any kind of a diehard fan. She's a she's an appreciator. There are fans, and then there are appreciators. You appreciate good baseball. You watch both teams. You you you, you root for the New York team. Yeah, you're an appreciator. But sure. then there's the fan, and a fan right. picks a team and sticks with that team. That's I,
2: I you know what. We're, we're in lockstep now okay <laughs> uh, many people's favorite team the new york Yankees, have made moves um when you really look back don, don i think there's a good chance that the yankees stay pat where they are right now and they've already made some pretty big moves of course they got andrew benintendi last week last night um they picked up a rookie reliever um uh this kid Efros. um who is 28-year-old, uh, right-handed side armor, 2.66 ERA, and in 44 innings with 50 strikeouts. He doesn't hit free agency until 2027. Um, then, today, the Yankees acquire Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino from the Athletics. Now, in exchange, they did give up Ken Waldachuk, who a lot of people were very high on, and J.P. Sears, who people were high on, uh, Luis Medina, and Cooper Bowman also in that deal. Waldichuk was the fifth highest-ranked prospect in the Yankees' farm system. So it's a, it's a real move. So between Montas, Trevino, Benintendi, and Efros, could that be enough for the Yankees? Well, like Michael said, that it might be,
1: and they can just sit back and see if, if Soto is still out there at 6 o'clock tomorrow. To where they might be able to make that kind of big splash, but otherwise, I think they got a couple of extra arms for the bullpen. They went out and got a number two starter so i I think they would they could be done. I was surprised that Michael said, and he listen he's in touch with the Yankee fans on his Twitter for sure that people are getting on Brian Cashman for what? I mean, I, he's made a bunch of moves here down the stretch. He's not re- resting on his laurels. He went out and got ben, Benintendi, went out and got Montosa. He's, he's helped the bullpen. I I th- All right, he didn't get Soto. He didn't get Otani. Is that all you're grading it on? Is now, He's got to get the two of the best players in baseball, otherwise he did nothing?
2: Now, it should be noted, the Angels are holding on to Otani. It, that's, that's what John Heyman's reporting. But the Yankees were among the teams that issued an offer. Now, another deal that affects the Yankees in a couple of ways. Um, Trey Mancini, maybe the brightest spot of the Baltimore Orioles, will no longer be in the division, but he will be in Houston and part of a three-way trade with the Rays. um, And Rays, Orioles, and Astros. So, Jaden Murray goes to Houston. Seth Johnson goes to Baltimore. Trey Mancini goes to Houston. Chase McDermott goes to Tampa.
1: Hmm. Now, what I also found interesting for Michael is the prospect they sent to Chicago for F-Ross was was the seventh overall top prospect. So that means that in the two trades they made with Oakland and Chicago, three of their top ten prospects have been dealt.
2: Well, and that's part of why I could see this just being they're done if they, if they somehow can't pull off some miracle for Soto. Here's Michael earlier on the show talking about the Montas trade.
0: They missed out on Castillo. Uh, it looked like the Reds wanted Volpe. They didn't want to give up Volpe for Castillo. So Montas is like a smidge below Castillo, 28 years old. You have him in control for next year. The only concern about him is that he had a shoulder inflammation at the beginning of July, but he's come back and made two starts and looked very, very good. Uh, Also, his numbers against the Astros, Tampa Bay, and Seattle, this year he has an ERA of about 1.3. So that's good. Uh, Trevino, I think, is a shot in the dark. He's been good, uh, but he has not been great this year. He has picked up eight saves lately, though, uh, but his numbers are not what they were a couple of years ago. Maybe the Yankees see something there where they can make a reclamation project, Mm but I think it's a good deal for the Yankees because they needed to get that number two pitcher or Severino comes back and could be number two, then he could be your number three.
1: I don't know how you hate the deal. How do you hate on the deal? Now, the only reason I bring up the number of top 10 prospects they've given up is because if you are in the battle for Soto or even Otani, you're going to give up even more prospects in the top 10. So, uh, You know, you don't want to give up all of your top ten prospects. But at the end of the day, that's all they are, prospects. I'll tell you, the pressure on Volpe is going to be unbelievable, right? (laughs) All these rumors, well, they didn't go out and get any of the big-name free agent shortstops during the offseason because they've got Volpe. Uh, They didn't make a deal for Castillo because they asked for Volpe. (laughs) So, if the Yankees don't win, Peter, because of who they didn't pick up or didn't trade for, eventually Volpe's going to get called up to be the shortstop and there's going to be a resume of things they could have done that they didn't do because he's supposed to be so great. And <laughs> it's going
2: to put some pressure on him, no? Fair point. Uh, the Mets are playing quite well, Don. Six straight That's yesterday, right. just bombing on the Marlins. And uh, let's hear from Buck Showalter earlier.
0: I did call Tomas in yesterday to quite frankly, telling him what a good job I thought he was doing. And he thought,
1: when Glenn went to get him, he thought, and it kind of reminded me I need to be careful with that.
2: So I guess he scared Nito, but he really just wanted to give him props.
1: I love Buck. He's doing such a great job.
0: <laughs>
2: it's so true, Don. How, how, how are you? I mean, it, it's it's looking like a really good decision right now. Uh, Jacob DeGrom back tomorrow night against the Nationals, and he says he wants to help this team win a World Series. No, I've said it before about, you know, personal goals or personal goals, but this is a team game, the ultimate goal is to
0: win a World Series, you know, and watching these guys go out there and compete has been fun, you know, but it's a lot more fun to go out there and compete with them. Um, Like I said, you know, in 2015 when we made it to the World Series and fell a little
2: short, that was some of the most fun I've ever had playing baseball, so hopefully get back there and actually win the whole thing this year.
1: Follow me here, Peter. I'm following. As far as um, audio doppelganger. Now, there's a little tiny southern drawl in DeGrom. Tiny. So it's not perfect. But cadence-wise, and when you first hear him speak, I want Anthony and Andrew's opinion on this as well. Do you hear a little Hal Steinbrenner?
2: I hear a little
1: Again, as you start to hear it, again, it's not – I hear it. When you first hear it, right? Andrew, you're good with this stuff, right? You When you first hear it, like the cadence, little how.
0: I got to hear them side by side.
2: Every decision we make, whether it's a trade, a potential trade, or a signing. All right, that's how. No, I've said it before about you know personal goals or personal goals, but this is a team game, the ultimate goal. Okay, is the world. I hear it. Every decision we make. No, I've said it before about, great. you know, personal goals.
1: Are- More or cadence and, like, octave-wise.
3: <laughs> right.
1: I mean, this is really, I, I know, I'm really going, like, like three-dimensional chess on this. But I just wanted to know if anybody was thinking of it. It's
0: tough to get there. real quality sound-alikes when the age gap is that wide. Mm-hmm. Hal just has an older voice than DeGrom, so it, uh, it kind of clouds it for me a little bit. But I, I guess I can see what you're saying.
2: That's that's Andrew being a really good friend. He thinks Don's a moron. Just no, I think
1: I think we're close enough that if he felt my opinion was completely whack, he would have no trouble saying it.
2: I think you're probably right. Um, we we mentioned it earlier, of course, but Deshaun Watson gets a six game suspension without pay for violating the league's personal conduct policy. That is the disciplinary action um, brought down by Sue Robinson, in a comprehensive 15 page conclusion. She stated that Watson violated the personal conduct policy. There was not enough evidence to justify an indefinite suspension. Her ruling relied on 32 previous suspensions under the league's policy since 2015. In 21 of the cases, the league suspended the player for six games. Robinson also wrote that future massage therapy for Watson should be limited to team-directed sessions and team-approved therapists for the duration of his career. The quarterback's six-game loss will only add up to $345,000 because of the way his contract was structured by Cleveland to protect him in case this happened. Let's hear from Diana Rossini on with Greeny earlier, reaction to the suspension around the league.
0: Let's just start with the Watson side of this. Spoke with sources there, and they believe six games is too much. They respect this decision. They're not going to fight it. Now, for the NFL, we know this is what we're doing now. We're all just waiting to see, and I can tell you I'm trying to find out what the decision has been, if they're going to appeal this or not. Because I will say, around the league, there is a sense that this was a really light Suspension. Watson's camp, of course, thinks it's heavy. Lots believe that this is just a little too light in terms of the information that's out there. So the Browns, they feel that this was pretty much spot on.
2: Here's Kimberly course, yeah. Martin on Schefter's pod uh, talking about reaction to this decision.
0: No one's happy with this right now, it seems like. That's what's what's so fascinating about it. No one seems to be happy. And there's a lot of emotions running through, not just Deshaun's camp, but within the Browns building, fans... Male, female, doesn't matter. There's just a lot to take in and a lot to process. And where you have two grand juries that decline to indict on criminal charges, and you have this ruling, I don't think anyone feels as though there's resolution. Even though as reporters, we have been waiting for this day. And as somebody who just came back from a week in Cleveland, this was supposed to be resolution, but it just feels like, and now we're orbiting the, the whole situation from an emotional and intellectual standpoint all day.
1: I I think there is that lost commodity in this whole thing and and I I can understand women being up in arms about it because it's just another another blow as far as them being able to feel if they could seek justice when they feel like they're wronged. That they, they I can understand women feeling like they're just up against everything. Like is anybody on their side? Does anybody care about their voice when the Cleveland Browns are able to, you know, get him but be able to work his contract where he loses less money in the first year that if these allegations are true, really all he got was six games. Cause don't tell me about the year last year. He probably was going to sit out anyway because he didn't want to play in Houston. And if the Texans didn't trade him, he was going to sit out. And he got paid. So, uh, I I can, and, and it's gotta be frustrating, Peter. And you wonder why more women, like, why they don't come out because they feel like it's all, the burden is all on them. And that's, and rightly so. The burden of proof always should be on the person that's, um, that's accusing. That's the way the judicial system works. But you sometimes just wonder is it worth it? Because even when you prove it, or even if you feel like that you've got enough there, is, is society going to allow you to get your, your pound of flesh? Or is everything working for the athlete? And even just the man in general.
2: And again, the part that really bothers me here, you know, none of us know exactly what happened. Um, So it's really hard for me to say, you know, is the suspension too light? I don't know. Relative to other things, I would say no, not necessarily. When you look at the other suspensions that have happened over the last seven years um Antonio Brown was suspended for eight games for his personal conduct policy and being accused of things somewhat similar if you remember that Um, Kareem Hunt had an assault caught on video he was suspended for eight games Richie Incognito got two for that bullying situation Mm. Jameis Winston three games for touching a female Uber driver inappropriately. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, six games domestic violence. Josh Brown, six for an ugly domestic violence incident. Um, so when you really look at it, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think it feels like relative to the other stuff. We You can totally argue the league is completely wrong on all of this, and it should all be more. I'm totally down with that. But relative to all the stuff I just said, Don, I don't know if it, oh. if it was too light a, 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 a and, suspension.
1: And I guess you could argue the other point. Well, GC, if there was no conviction, why is he being suspended at all? Right? So there's that side of it. But I think the whole reason that the NFL and other sports, baseball, did it too, where people that are not convicted still are subject to suspension, whether it was Jose Reyes, whether it was um, uh, Trevor Bauer, is that it's so hard to get a conviction? That something has to happen because you can't just say, "Well, he didn't do any time. He didn't get he didn't get arrested for it. He didn't get charged with it. So let's not suspend him." You can't do that anymore because of how easy it is for these uh, athletes to not to avoid uh, getting uh, charged. So you're already you, you're you're already admitting how difficult it is to do. So that's why I feel so bad and. The fact that it was a non-violent sexual harassment, yes, does it mean that it's lesser than the violent ones? Of course, but it still doesn't mean nothing happened. Isn't that a whole like um, stereotype of, well, listen, honey, he didn't hit you, so what are you complaining about? Right, like, like doesn't that kind of have that feel to it? Like, oh, what are yeah. you complaining about? Oh, so he asked you something inappropriate. What is that really a big deal? Well, there, there lies the problem, right? that there are people who think that that is no big deal. Well, there was 25 women who thought that it was.
2: But then, then there's also a middle ground of people who do think it's a big deal, but still, what what does that mean for what a, an appropriate punishment is? Um, uh, Jeff Passan reporting the Astros are finalizing a deal to acquire Christian Vasquez from the Red Sox, the Red Sox catcher. Red Sox are in Houston tonight, by the way. So that
1: could make it that much easier. Now, looking yeah. at the Red Sox, they have fallen out of the wild card or three and a half games out of the wild card and now have dipped under 500. So does that surprise you, only three and a half out, that he could be gone, that J.D. Martinez can be gone, and that they're in sell mode rather than trying to see this through? They still have to climb over Baltimore, Chicago, and Cleveland to get to Tampa, but... I guess they're erring on the side of, well, listen, let's let's deal our free agents away and get something because we don't think we're going to make it.
2: Brian Hoke also reporting that uh, Luis Severino played catch on the field today. Boone asked him how it went. I passed by I'm like, how to go? He gave me a thumbs up. Good start to th- the throwing progression. Seve's now on the 60-day IL. Uh, he last pitched July 13th, so he'll be back, in theory, mid-September. E&N tonight is brought to you by the Professional Fighters League. It's back on Friday, August 5th. Watch MMA's League live from the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. Buy tickets now on pflmma.com. Don, we got to talk about Bill Russell, much more. Plus, yes, little tip, if, you, if you've if you been trying to get on the phone lines all day and you want to get in on the phones on our last segment, Who's clear this? the lines. They're wide open right now, one 3776 So call us now. We'll get to you shortly. Peter and Don on the K Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza.
3: Better because it has to be.
0: Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKS ESPN.
2: Huge news yesterday. We lost an all-time great. You talk about iconic in sports. I don't know if it gets any bigger than Bill Russell, who died at 88 years old peacefully on Sunday with his wife Janine at his side. He's, of course, a Hall of Famer, a five-time MVP, a 12-time All-Star, second all-time in rebounds. He anchored the greatest dynasty of all time, 11 titles in 13 years, the last two, years of his career were as the first black head coach in any major U.S. sport. Let's hear from Jackie McMullen, the longtime Boston columnist on the NBA Today,
3: talking about the climate Russell had to deal with in Boston. It was a terrible climate in our city, and yet its icon, its basketball icon, was Bill Russell alongside Red Arback, both of whom were completely colorblind, who, unlike the city at that time, had the best record in terms of civil rights and diversity of maybe any professional sports team ever. They drafted the first black player. They fielded the first black starting five. They hired the first black coach, which was Bill Russell. And so think about the climate within which he was operating under and how even then these people who loved him and cheered for him on Friday night were damaging and vandalizing his home on Saturday night. And and the fact that he could handle all of that with the grace that he did is something that I admired the most.
2: Stephen A. Smith on with Keyshawn J. Will and Max this morning talking about Bill
0: Russell anytime anybody talks about him. It's not just because he was an 11-time champion over a span of 13 years. It wasn't just because he was a black man who was the first black man to be a head coach in the National Basketball Association as a player coach, but won back-to-back titles as that. You considered him the ultimate leader. You considered him all about business. You considered him the ultimate selfless individual. And then you take into account how he did all the things that he did off the court. And there's just no way to put it up. Other than when you think about the Mount Rushmore of all of sports, there is no one in the world of sports who would dispute that he belongs on it. You can't have a Mount Rushmore in the world of sports without having Bill Russell on it.
2: The great Oscar Robertson on game night talking about Bill Russell.
0: Bill went through a lot of of different things when he was playing ball for the Boston Celtics and where he was living and how he was treated and whatnot. And he got to be a point I talked to him on several occasions about this. He was just a man's man, you know, and he did things to to help himself and help his people. He got involved in a lot of civil rights situations, which people didn't, didn't do at that particular time, but he had the stage, he had the background where he could do this and get away with it. And Bill went through a lot. And I don't think really the majority of people in this world today really understand all the things that he and his family went through and what he went through. As a basketball player playing with
2: the Boston Celtics, Don, he's. It's interesting to think about where he is in the NBA all-time it, rankings, but then also just all of sports.
1: Yeah, it's. It, it, when you look at the championships, man, eleven championships in thirteen years, and even if you take into account, well, back in that era, less teams, less rounds. You know, because you saw dominance from the Yankees, dominance from the Canadians. It seemed like in the '50s, '60s, especially that. One or two of the same teams seem to win all the time, but still 11 out of 13. You look at the number of All-Star games, the number of MVPs. I I guess everybody's going to put Jordan representing the NBA, but when you factor in everything else that he went through, the team that he played for, the city he played in, uh, the responsibilities that he took on, maybe he belongs representing the NBA on that Mount Rushmore.
2: And listen, there are other great players, of course, that he right. played with. He he played he played with Kuzey, he played with Havlicek, Tommy and Casey Jones, um, Sam Jones. They're they're really good players, but it, it started and it ended with Bill Russell.
1: Yeah, but uh, listen, everybody that's won. Listen, Jordan didn't do it by himself, going six for six. Right? It's Scottie Pippen, who was you know top players in the NBA at the time. You know and you look at all the championships that the 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 Richard brothers won in Montreal certainly didn't do it yourself in team sports you never do it by yourself but there is a certain responsibility that comes with being the best on those teams
2: yeah especially when you're truly the standout best and I mean it's just an unbelievable iconic career so we say rest in peace to Bill Russell who is 88 years old and one last note Don last week we had a very fun conversation with Jake Paul about his fight with Haseem Rachman at MSG yes. Saturday night. Well, yeah, that fight is off. <laughs> um, what not happening? But the inform- well, the, in- the interview still happened, though, right? Our interview still exists. It did happen. But um, Paul's camp says that Haseem Rachman Jr. is to blame because he did, was not able to make weight. Rachman's c- camp is saying, why are you canceling it a week out? What's such the big deal about five pounds? He says he could beat me at any weight, so why does it matter? Um, so hard to say exactly who's to blame here, but seemingly, if they had an agreement, and Rockman's not able to get it, I understand why they'd pull out a week early, as to not waste everyone's time. And travel money, et cetera, et cetera, if they know that the fight's not going to happen. So well,
1: how, how no. much was he off by five pounds? You can lose five pounds in a week. Well that's the thing though. I wonder if I wonder if, was,
2: <laughs> I wonder if he was really off by five pounds or if it was more than that and he wasn't going to be able to get there. That will do it for ENN on this Monday, August first. Your phone calls next one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We'll talk some Jets. We'll talk some Yankees. We'll talk some Watson.